and do good with them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So like Stephanie said, I grew up here at CUMC. I was the, the yay Sunday school kid all through everything. Um, we do three-hour Sundays sometimes, and then did youth. And through all of that, I kind of started thinking, okay, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do ministry. Um, and so on APA, there was a chance to preach. Um, and so I did, and it was awful. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and I went, I'm never doing this. I'm out. I'm going to go, I'm going to a and I'm going to study political science. Great, fantastic, we'll go do, go do that. Um, and so I love the Methodist Church, but I got to a and and I said, you know what, I'm going to try something different. So I'm, I'm going to go try these trendy churches. Oh, that's a really big fog machine. This is weird. Okay, I'm going back. So then I went back to Methodist churches. Um, and two of my older friends that were in youth invited me to the Wesley Foundation, their college ministry there. So I was there probably like a week uh, and then I went, okay, nope, I am going back. I'm going to do ministry. Um, this is what I'm called to do. So in doing that, um, I started, I worked at a summer camp uh, for a Methodist summer camp that summer. Met my wife. I am married. That's not a joke. I have to clarify because some of the youth did not realize that until a few weeks ago. Um, so I graduated down there. I worked for a year and then came here to do seminary. I read it when I was moving up here, a job opened up in the youth ministry, and Chris offered it to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is so exciting. Um, I'm really grateful to get to be a part of the thing that I grew up in. It's been a blast. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, Stephanie said, hey, Luke, there's a sermon about Jesus going back to preach in his hometown. Why don't you preach it? This will be fun. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> so here we are. Um, the thing is, as fun as it has been to be back here, um, going home isn't always the most fun thing in the world. It can be pretty hard and bring with it some challenges. Um, so when I was in College Station, I was a freshman Bible study leader for a little bit, and we would always do a lesson before winter break about the freshmen going back home for the first time since they'd gone to college. And they weren't really into it. Um, they were kind of just like, hey, whatever, this is weird. Why are we talking about this? We had more interesting lessons. And when they got back, they had the best stories <laughs> of all of the things that happened when they were home. They're so much more talkative because going back to the, the community you grew up in um, it can bring up embarrassing moments. You can see some, some pictures you don't, you don't like to remember. Um, it makes you realize how you've changed. It makes us focus and look at ourselves a little differently. Even if you're just going home from work can mean you're facing things at home you would rather not have to deal with. I think this idea of going home is uh, a good lens for our Lenten journey. Going home is about going back to our roots or where we're trying to put down new roots. And in Lent, we're trying to grow towards God and ground ourselves in the Holy Spirit and experience Christ's journey by taking on new practices, whether that's fasting from something or adding something to our lives. And part of that, that process, part of that journey is looking at the uncomfortable parts of ourselves, why we need Christ to come and save us, try and change habits that we don't like and might not have realized we had. Today, we're looking at the story of when Jesus goes back home to Nazareth. Um, the reading is from Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 30. We're just going to read 2.22 right now because it's long. 
Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressor go free, to repressed go free, (laughs) to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? So Jesus goes in, back to the town, and starts preaching. So what, what is this he's preaching? Um, it's from Isaiah, and it's from part of Isaiah that was probably written when the Hebrews who had been in exile were returning to Jerusalem and to Judah, which means it's some of the best stuff you can read in the Bible. It's so much fun. It's so optimistic. It's exciting. We're getting to go home. This is going to be great. Isn't it great to give good news? Like we have the free the poor or good news for the poor, free captives, sight for the blind, letting the oppressed go free. This is awesome. If I were in the audience... I think I would love to hear someone come up and tell me all of these great things. It would be such an uplifting sermon. Uh, I've never done this, of course. But if you were to randomly flip pages in the Bible and trust God to land on something awesome, I would want them to land on some of these pages. And it looks like, at this point, spoiler alert, it does not last. The people are amazed, and they respond really well. They are hearing good things, things they like. They're like, we speak well of him. Oh my gosh, is this Joseph's son? How is he saying this? This is great. It's really important to remember. Right now, they're happy. They like Jesus. Um, Like I said, it doesn't last. Let's go back to the story and see what happens. He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of the town, led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Seeing as this is my um, first sermon back in my hometown, I would like to take a moment to remind everyone the Bible sometimes includes examples of things not to do. (laughs) So when I read this, I was completely confused. I was like, why are they angry? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. So 
going piece by piece. The first thing Jesus says is, you're going to tell me, doctor, cure yourself. So he's saying, what I've said so far hasn't made you angry. What I'm about to say, you're going to say, dude, there's something wrong with you, and you need to fix it. So he's warning them, this is going to be offensive to you. And he says, you're going to tell me, do what I did in these other places in Capernaum. What did, what did he do? In Luke, it's not super clear. Um, he hasn't actually been to Capernaum by name yet. He's gone on a preaching tour in the area. And so either he preached really well there, or as he does later in the book and in the other Gospels, he does some really cool miracles there. Either way, they want him to preach really well or do some miracles, something great. And he's warning them, yeah, that's not going to happen here. Which to me is interesting. Because um, have you like ever been really upset and someone tells you, you need to calm down? Um, yeah, it doesn't really work. <laughs> it kind of just makes you angrier. And I kind of like, feel like that's a little what's happening here. Like Jesus is telling them, okay, don't get angry. Which then if I were being told, don't get angry, would immediately go, why do you think I need to get angry? And then you get irritated. Um, but he's still trying to warn them. And then he says the thing that starts off getting them really upset to the point that they're going to kill him. No prophet is accepted in their hometown. And even though the people in Israel needed help, the prophets did miracles in other places. To summarize, Jesus says, yay, the awesome day is here. This is going to be great. And you got to help raise a prophet. The people will say, that's awesome. We love this. This is great. But do what we want you to do. Do what, do what we want. Perform like I want you to perform. Do what I want you to do, God. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to help other people. This is the community that got to raise Jesus. They got to be a part of his life. They got to change his diapers. Metaphorically, I, they, I don't know if they had diapers back then. They might have. We'll go with it. Um, and now they get to be a part of the start of Jesus's ministry. Wouldn't that be enough? But no, they try and kill him and run him out of town because he said things they didn't want to hear. In Lent, we give up or start new things. It's kind of the give up or take up. Um, and not to brag, I'm about to brag. Uh, I'm pretty good at fasting during Lent. <laughs> uh, I've given up soda, I've given up video games, I've given up Cheez-Its, whatever it is, you name it, I've probably done it. Um, if you ask me why I did it, I'd say, well, it's Lent. This is what good Christians do. Um, you can be a good Christian and not do it. Um, and why did I choose? Well, okay, why did you choose those things specific? Well, they seemed easy enough. That, that's part of why I'm, I'm good at fasting for Lent. Uh, and some of them are benefit my health. They're good for me. And plus, like, you know, when I feel the desire to have it, then maybe I pray, do something, something good, you know, spiritual. So there is some, like, spirituality in this. Um, but I, I did a lot of it to, to serve myself, um, which isn't always bad. Some of those things are good things. But I, I was kind of doing it for myself. Why do we fast in Lent? Is it so we can feel more spiritual? So we can feel good about ourselves? So we can hear what we want to hear, like those people in the story, those people, not us, them. I can feel good if I give up social media and I'm on my phone less. 
But if I'm asked to give up my time or give up my money, things that I had other plans for, that doesn't make me feel very spiritual. That just kind of makes me irritated. Why do we fast in Lent? Is it so we can be closer to Christ? If it is, then on our journey to God, our true home, we're going to face real challenges. We're going to get angry. We're going to deal with things that upset us. The good news is God is with us. God calls us close. And as we walk with God, our lives are transformed to be more Christ-like. Whatever my motives are, I can tell you that my practices in Lent have drawn me closer to God. God can turn them to good. One of the, the wisest things I've heard, I'm, I'm not going to say it exactly right, but it's basically never think that you're important enough to be capable of messing up God's designs. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I try to imagine, okay, if I, what would it be like in this situation? What would it be like to be someone in the story? and try and relate to their experience and what they would be going through. And aside from the similarity of preaching in your hometown, I don't relate to Jesus in this story. I'm not just a person passing through on their, their preaching tour. I live here. Um, I'm one of the townspeople struggling with the hard things that Jesus says and occasionally baby possibly being a little too selfish to get all of God's points. But one of my, my absolute favorite parts of a lot of these gospel stories is that they're usually at least slightly open-ended. Um, so if you look at the prodigal son, where the son goes away, comes back, and then the older brother is upset, they throw a feast for the, the younger son, and the father goes out and talks to him about why. The story ends without it's saying what the older brother does next. It doesn't say if he goes into the house or if he stays outside. When there's the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, says, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, sell everything you have. And he goes away sad. It doesn't say what he does next. The story ends with Jesus going on his way, and then it follows Jesus through the rest of the gospel. But what do the, the people of Nazareth do? Those people, not, not us. We wouldn't be like them. How do they handle themselves in the days after when they realize they almost killed Joseph's son? Do Jesus' words inspire them to change? Do they just stay angry? I don't know. It's open-ended. I don't know what they did, and I don't know what we will do when God challenges us. But I am a very hopeful person because... Well, God. I hope that when Jesus pushes us in our lives, when he makes us angry and says things we don't like, that we take a moment to listen, to pause, or if we don't, we come around later. We don't stay where we are. We turn around and follow Jesus to our true home. Y'all pray with me. Dear God, thank you again for gathering us to worship you. Please find ways to challenge us in our lives. Find ways to push us closer to you, even when we may not want it. Lead us towards you through our Lenten journey. Help us come home. It's your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>